we were preoccupied not just with self. And I think that when there's this preoccupation with self, there can be a certain unhappiness, you know, with life. I, mean, right. I think that's what some of this danger comes back to is this unpreparedness with which it leaves you in a mindset trapped that, you know, I got forever. I don't need to worry about it now. This is the Way to Go podcast, and we are about faith, family, and daily life. We're about taking God's word, breaking it down, making it practical to everyday living. Now, if you want to watch the show, you can actually go to Eagleville Bible Church. Just go to YouTube, type in Eagleville Bible Church. You will find it on the Way to Go playlist. But again, faith, family, and daily life. This is what we're all about. Welcome to the Way to Go podcast. I'm Bill McMahon. Along with me is Steve Arslick. Been talking about the seven deadly sins written by James Stalker. And I love saying his name every time. I don't want to quit the series just because I like <laughs> making fun of the name Stalker. I probably would have changed it. You know, maybe He's it had a different you. maybe it had a different connotation back then. <laughs> hey, here's meet the Stalker family. Anyway, uh seven deadly sins, he said, Well, sloth. So I see the term up there, I'm like, oh cool, we're gonna talk about laziness. But then as I read the chapter, he wasn't really talking about laziness. He was talking more, it sounded like more of like listlessness or spiritual deadness and that kind of stuff. So it was an old English term called exity, which I, <laughs> there's a term you hear every day. <laughs> hey, do you have a spiritual exity? I'm just wondering if you do. But anyway, it means this variously defined as a state of listlessness or torpor. Another word I don't use uh, of not caring or not being concerned with one's position or condition in the world. In ancient Greece, it literally meant an inert state without pain or care. Early Christian monks use, and by the way, I think we're medicating people to get them back to that right, state. Right. Early Christian monks used the term to define the spiritual state of listlessness. And from there, the term developed as a markedly Christian moral tone. In modern times, it has been taken up by literary figures and connected to depression. So, I'm like, okay, it's kind of your listless, no like spiritual life. There's not like any fervor in your spiritual walk with God. You kind of got lazy about things. Uh, you're mechanical, going through just motions, right? Yeah, and I think, well, you're talking about deadly sins. Deadly in what ways? Because these are things that can separate you from God. And so how can this sloth, this acidity or right. acidity or whatever it is, you know, that you can get into is saying, well, why is this deadly? What's a, what's a danger of it? Right. I mean, you know, right. really what kind of get to these, these things, danger, you know, danger, real Robinson. We just talked about, joked about it here a little bit ago, but you know, what, what, what's the thing that makes this dangerous? What, what, what makes it so deadly that we should be going, Hey, you better take note. Right. Because here's something that's causing a problem. And, and I don't know if it's, I think this depression thing is maybe devolved to something a little bit different. We're not talking about somebody being depressed, uh, uh, mental illness. I think it's a little bit more of a, I think it is definitely a little bit more of this spiritual conditioning of where we're at. And, well, and I'll, I'll say careful. it like this. I, I, I saw this a long time ago, and this is probably even back in the 90s. I was working with the youth group, and these kids were really bored with life. And there's a there's a word that means ennui, and, uh, or that's how it's said. It's ennui, and it means just you're, you're kind of bored with life. There's a certain, like he says, listlessness. You're just not happy. As you look through the future, there's like no energy in you. And um, I remember I used to get my hair cut by a guy named Mark Helmer when he used to cut hair. And we would talk about these things, and we would talk about how the young people seem so down. Like, all their music they're listening to is, like, down music. Life's terrible. It's horrible. It's hard. And we would talk about why is this an attitude that we never had growing up? 
Like we never looked at life as terrible or so hard or so miserable. And he said, you know why? Because we earned everything we had. We were out there working. We were out there. You didn't, if you wanted a model kit, if you wanted clothes, if you want to change something on your bike, you had to go out there and figure it out on your own. You would buy yourself a football. You would play with that football for years, man. The same football till you absolutely wore it out. You remember that? Those mm-hmm. days you would just play with this. So you had to earn everything. You didn't have time to be sitting around so self-focused that life just seemed terrible and you're starting to lose purpose for living because we always had something to do. And I think that in some ways in this, it's just that lack of occupation or excitement. You're just not really doing a lot. And you, it's easy to sit around and complain about everything and get down. You know what I mean? Like you're just feeling down. Like you don't really have any life or zest or energy. And I, I think I, I reflect back a little bit on it. I think it's sometimes too when you're younger, it just seems like this there's so much life ahead that, you know, is this really, it's almost can be overwhelming. I think to a point it could be like, well, what can I really, what, you know, not caring about the future is like, well, you know, what, what's it's, it's so far off. Right. You know, what, what really matters other than the day is I, I am a little bit, there's not much going on or maybe it is a little bit a downtime or whatever. Right. I think affluence certainly plays into all of that. Right. You know, I, I so I agree with that, but I mean, but I, I think a little bit of it is, I think even when I was young, I mean, sometimes you just think about, you know, I, it seems like summers lasted a little bit longer, but now they everything goes by so much faster. I mean, I think a perspective of the overall lengths of time. I mean, especially as we get older, you know, yeah, right? I think, you, know, right. you look yeah. back in your life now, then my gosh, thirty years passed like that, right? You know, and it's like when you're young, you're going, oh my god, thirty years. That's a lifetime, right. you know what I mean? And, and you know, you think 50 was like, you're good as dead. Right. Now you're over 50 and you're like, 50's nothing. Right. You know? And I, know, so I, think, I, like, I think it's a perspective thing a little bit is. too. It is because I, the, life does go quickly. But I think yeah, that, but as a yeah, but as a teen, but as a teen, listen, I was not you know five like, years of your life where it's thirty five percent of your thirty three percent of your existence, right? It's like five years is a, is a forever. I, I was happy. <laughs> you know? I, I was a happy kid. I was a happy kid. Uh, I remember being in college. People would ask me, "Why are you so happy? Why are you so happy?" I grew up in a poor home. We didn't have much. We drove junkers. We had a we had a fight for everything you know that we had. But I think that's one of the reasons because I wasn't sitting around thinking about mm-hmm. and complaining about all the different things that I thought were wrong about the world. You know, I was out there surviving. Yeah, and I think well, and, another thing too is like, and I was very happy in my life and I was very happy to work. I was helping my family. I think that was part of it too. Like 80, 70% of everything I made went to my dad. And then 60% of everything I, I made went to my dad to help pay bills. My junior and senior year of high school, we did to go out and cut wood to heat the house. Like mm-hmm. we were always doing something like we'd go get home from school. We'd have to bring wood in to put in the fire so to put in the fire or the wood burner downstairs, because that's how we heated our home. You, you had to, like, you had to work to survive. I mean, this was yeah. not like an option. So I think maybe because of that, we had so many goals to drive towards. We had so many things to work towards that we were preoccupied, not just with self. And I think that when there's this preoccupation with self, there can be a certain unhappiness, you know, with life. I think, I, I, well, my, my boys are going to graduate college here this, this weekend. And I think Congrats. about, yeah, really? thank you. But I think about, you know, right now, very much conscious in their mind is where are we going from here? Mm-hmm. 
But I think about like when you first go on, what, what are you going to major in? What do you want to study? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because I think it's like some of that, the unawareness is like, because there's so much time yet that I don't need to make a decision. Right. Or people get there or some people are going, they're getting hooked into going and paying for an outrageously priced school because it's like, well, I got my whole life to worry about it. Right. Well, no, you don't have forever to worry about it because graduation is coming or right. yeah, you're going to have to pay that next tuition or the right. grades are coming there, right. there. There's a consequence. And yet somehow we, we avoid that or just don't think about it or, or I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a degree in some stupid studies thing that I'm never going to be able to pay my degree with. Right. You know what I mean? Well, we weren't, we weren't prepared. I mean, right. I think this was some of this danger comes back to is this unpreparedness with which it leaves you in a mindset trapped that, you know, I got forever. I don't need to worry about it now. Cause I, cause I can bring this back to spiritual things like Christianity, the danger of the sloth of this, uh, you know, of being acidity is that, you know, you, I've got forever to, to reconcile my sins with God. I've got forever to grow closer to Jesus Christ. I've got forever to worry about Jesus yeah, today. As in I don't have to worry. About it. You're well, talking yeah. about like well, procrastinating I, on but, decisions. Well, where it says I don't right. have a care for tomorrow. Right. I don't have any cares. Well, I got time. Right. I don't need to do. I got time. Right. I don't need to evaluate my life. I don't need to acknowledge my sins. I got time. Right. And that that's a danger, right? This is why it's it, deadly. It is, but I think because that's we haven't these done this evaluation, are are not caring or being concerned because they're they're unhappy. Like you read some of the things like James Stalker wrote about in his book, and he was talking about authors that were constantly raging in society, constantly unhappy, uh, monks being in a monastery and being listless and lifeless and unhappy with their existence. Uh, because they, they're doing things mechanical and they're, they're not breathing life into their existence. Where we know spiritually, you know, when you have that relationship with God, you know, that's definitely breathing life into your existence. And I think that's a great thing. Now, he said, one thing he talks about, he said religious exercises and bringing it back to sloth and spiritual things, religious exercises were never intended to absorb the whole of our time, but to supply strength for the discharge of duty in the family and in the marketplaces. And the attempt to override nature cannot but have its revenge. And what he's saying is, listen, you know, monasteries, by the way, even in Les Miserables, which is a famous book by Victor Hugo, I mean, that guy... Part of the reason that he wrote that book was to take on monasteries because that's one of the places where Cosette hit out with Jean Valjean was to take on the plight and how terrible it was. And even James Stalker's ripping on monasteries as being, this is not the way God designed us to live. He did not design us to live that we come away from people, stay by ourselves and just live by ourselves for us and God. And we're not doing Mm -hmm. for other people. That's not the right way to live. And he said, if you don't realize that your prayer time should be about getting out there and helping other people, your prayer time should be about living and what's going on. And I think that's a great challenge because yeah, my, right. My prayer time shouldn't just be about me. I mean, my prayer time should be about, Hey, who needs Christ? I, uh, today when I was praying, actually, I was praying about the drug problem in our County. I was praying for the Maya house and for their success at trying to save the, the lives of children in the womb. That's the kind of stuff like I was focused on. And I was thinking today as I was praying, I'm like, Bill, you need to pray about these things more often because that to me is yeah. Praying for doing something and getting out there and changing life and changing the world, not just a, a complete self-focus. You know, I mean, oh, Lord, you know, I don't have this and I don't have that and I don't have... Right. No, just pray me. Well, I think, it is, I think these religious practices, too. I think about Martin Luther, you know, who was a, a Roman Catholic monk before, you know, he was involved with uh, his role in the Protestant Reformation. He act, uh, ultimately, uh, uh, you know... Uh, 
moves away. He he denounces the monastery. He 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 goes away from it because he realizes that his own personal asceticism, that where he, his own self denial, didn't draw him closer to God. Right. It didn't make him more pious. Right. And so the whole thing of this monk or practicing these religious exercises right. didn't draw one closer to God because it was like snooze time. It was like, I'm doing all these things, so I'm a little bit more pious than you, right? or I'm a little bit closer to God. And he goes, oh, that's nonsense. The the real thriving, spiritually active person is is every bit as close as the most pious monk you can find out there. Right. Well, what about this statement, Steve, that, because this is what I, I put a note to myself, that I think that he's saying that spiritual discipline is not an end in and of itself. And it really made me think about it. I guess if I made prayer and end in and of itself, and I'm just praying to pray, or I'm just reading the Bible to do something, and I'm going to read the Bible because I should, and I'm going to do it to check it off a list. And it's more of a mechanical thing. I'm just doing it to do it. I don't think that anything, you have a golf league tonight that's meeting and guys are going to get together and play golf together. It almost can never be like an end in and of itself. Maybe there's nothing that we do that's an end in and of itself, you know, because somehow it's going to be a closed circuit. It's got to flow like, hey, if I'm out here doing these things, how am I helping others? How am I maybe getting closer to God? How am I building into something else that's leading somewhere? You know what I'm saying? Like branching into leading to other things that are good as opposed to everything I do is just an end in and of itself. I think that makes it, wearisome you know what i'm saying like if i'm just gonna pray as an end in and of itself i'm just doing it to do it not realizing hey no this is a walk with god this is helping other people this is helping my family this is this man is what i should do man this is a joy this is great it's not a, just an end in and of itself i mean I there's, there's a purpose right you yeah. know does that make sense yeah i i do i think a little bit because it's like well what is our real purpose of it i mean it's great there's personal edification in it but what good does it do somebody else or where is it helping lead somebody go or what's right. our real purpose for being out there and engaging in a world or helping it out or share the light of Christ or to be this light. Yeah, if it's all just done, all I'm going to do is wall myself into the church and I'm never going to go. I'm going to go to the mountaintop alone in isolation and I'm going to be super spiritual. Right. Well, that's meaningless because it, you're, we're not interacting, I think, the way we're Correct. supposed to be. Right. And I think that's, that's where I think it's right. And this is why it's or... deadly because you're not really fulfilling God's purpose for right. your life. Here's, here's your call. We're called to be good. You know, the, the world is good. You know, a lot, there's a lot of good in the world. A lot of people do a lot of good things, but good doesn't get you anything. Right. Being good doesn't get you closer to Christ. Right. Being good doesn't save you. No, but being bad can get you further from Christ. Right, but, but I'm saying, but it's again yeah. because I think, well, you know, we, we got this this laissez-faire attitude that, well, I'm, I, it's good enough, or I don't have to worry about tomorrow, right. or I don't have to worry about Jesus coming right. back, or I well, don't have so to worry about it. So there's a mechanic, though. There's a mechanic that you can get into where you're just checking off a list, and I think that he's battling yeah. against that. And yeah. you think about the life of Christ, Steve. Jesus Christ setting the example— did not come and live his life in isolation. He did not come and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to go up to the mountainside right. by myself, and I'm going to stay on the mountaintop by myself, not talking to anyone, just talking to God for my whole existence. And I'm going to make and my get, time spent yeah. with God in, in, in and of itself, but it's not really going to carry me to love people, heal people, teach people. That is clearly not. At times, Christ separated himself to pray. At times. It wasn't 
all he did it was he was praying so that he could go off and do other things. Even when it comes to your sex life and marriage, mm-hmm. it's saying do not deprive each other. If you do, it's only a set time, right, like right. a short time, so that the devil can't get in, and that's only for prayer, so the devil can't get into that relationship. It's not just, yeah, I'm going to separate from my spouse and I'm not going to show her love and I'm just going to be about me. No, I have to be an unselfish son of a gun, right? An unselfish human being. I can't be that self-centered person. I've got to say, no, I'm going to do the right thing. And I think, I think all, it all comes back to this whole idea of this listlessness or this sloth or why. Because I think it just takes us from maybe we're on this spiritual high to all of a sudden we're just kind of blah. Yeah. Or we're just, we're just moving on and we're really, what's the point? What's the purpose? Just, right. yeah, just bag it. I'm just going to zone out over here or I'll break out my phone or, right. you know, I'll escape to a television or we'll, we'll, we'll binge the latest Netflix series. We'll just do something just to escape it all. I think those are some of the things where, you'll where the dangers no, come. I think people, Again, cause why is it deadly? Why, what's the problem? What is it doing? Because it's moving us from what we're intended and, and we go somewhere else. Like a true walk with God. Yeah. yeah a true walk with God, something that brings energy and brings life into us. So I think doing it the same way wouldn't be a good thing. And I think that anything that we're doing, the same way all the time. Maybe we do need to bring some life into it, whether you read a devotional book or even doing podcasts. Yeah, I think about you some know, of the ministries. And doing well, daily I, I, I think I mean, about just, some of the ministries we've right. done, you know, over the years. We've done certain, they've seemed to have run their course because right. there was great momentum for them. There seemed to be great things happening. And it just seemed like, well, we're just doing something to do it. Right. You know, and is that what we really want to do? Right. Or is people really coming? Are they gaining? Right. Are they growing spiritually? Or maybe we should change our course. Right. But maybe there is a boredom. I mean, that certain people have, and I think that there is. I, I really do think that people at times there is there is a lot of anxiety in the society. There is a lot of downness. There is a lot of complaining. And I like how he puts in a book. He's listen. If you're if you're a person who's just sitting around complaining about how bad the world is. And you're doing nothing. You're mm-hmm. basically part of the problem. I mean, you're not going to do anything to fix about it. And all you're doing is depressing yourself and bring yourself down into the state of unhappiness or this accident of just being listless in your spiritual life. Because you're, you're going to point out the faults in everyone else, but you're not doing a thing to really make the world a better place. And you and I have seen this. Come on. I mean, how many times have we seen it complaints in church and you're thinking, then do something. Yeah. If you're going to sit around and complain about the church, well, the church isn't this, church isn't that. How many times have you and I had that conversation where we're asking... And, and what are you doing about it to that yeah. person, right? Or we're wondering about it. And what right, are you, you doing you guys, about it? Yeah, you guys it? should be doing this. Well, exactly. Okay. It, right. but, but what are you doing? Or they'll just sit there, well, the churches and friendly enough churches and blah, 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 whatever the complaint is. Okay, but what are you doing to make it better? I'm having a hard time. Okay, what are you doing to make it better? Because it's easy. Anybody can sit and point out flaws about anything, but what are you doing to make it better? And I think that what he's saying is you got to get that point of doing things to make things better. And I know for me, even in life, and I don't know how it is for you with hunting or anything else. If you add certain dimensions, like the one year you get the, you got the camera for the bow and that mm-hmm. was kind of cool. And it kind of added a different dimension for me this year. I'm trying to equip my kayak yep. so I can do more video recording on my phone. So I'm trying to get the right clamps that actually aren't going to fall into the lake. So I lose my phone again and get in trouble with my wife, but it's just adding different dimensions to make it interesting. So you're not doing the same thing the same way all the time. I think honestly, your, your physical life with your, you know, your intimacy with your spouse, maybe you shouldn't be doing things the same way all the time. Uh, the way you, you operate and conduct and the way you do your prayer life, maybe it's good to go pray somewhere else once in a while, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Or do something different in your Bible reading or do a different devotional, but to keep yourself alive, to keep yourself energized uh, by not getting into these ruts where you feel like you're all down and. Uh, no, I, I agree. Yeah. And I think to where, to point where, 
it's somewhere that's got to come back and trigger you to evaluate what you're doing, right? Evaluate what you're doing and then course correct. Right. Or do something different. Yeah. It's worth you thinking know. about, Steve, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I know I, well, one thing, go back up. I've been begging my wife to go out and hunt with me so she can film, but she won't come. She says it's too cold. But right. anyway, <laughs> I keep working on it. Hey, I say, you know what? My wife just added zest to her life. She got rollerblades. So now she tells me, well, now I'll go out with you. Now I've been running on that. I bet you I've been running on the trail for 10 years and I've been running by myself for 10 years. I've, I invite her constantly, except when I know it's real cold, she won't want to yeah. go. I always, I invite her in the morning. I invite her in the afternoon. I just always invite her if I'm going, if you want to come, come. It's too windy. It's too cold. It's too uh, too many bugs, too many whatever. Well, now she got rollerblades. So now she goes, well, now I can go because I can keep up with you and I'll just stay with you. So I'm going to hold that. I'm going to hold those little rollerblades. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to hold those little rollerblades <laughs> to the fire. But that's something she's doing. And I think it's a good thing. It's good exercise. I'm all for exercise. I'm all for fitness. That's something you're into. She's pretty good at it. So yeah, by all means, do it. It's just something different that you're doing. So spiritually, we don't want to get into that place of just unrest, of anxiety, of where we're not really seeking God. You know, you don't want to make excuses for not going to church. Now be another show. We'll come back and do that one because I guess we've gone long enough in this episode. But we appreciate you tuning in and listening and hearing. I would definitely, I would highly recommend uh, picking this book up. I'm sure you can get it on Amazon, probably get it on eBay or wherever it is you buy from. Uh, the Seven Deadly Sins is a common book written by James Stalker. It's been a great challenge for me to go through it, and I would just encourage you to pick it up. And the next, we'll go through the seven cardinal virtues, and that's the next part of it. You guys all have a blessed and awesome week.